Well, good morning, church. This is a little different, just a little different. I'm trying to imagine you all seated here in front of me this morning. I see Mike and Linda right down here in the second row where they always sit. I see Irene's smiling face over here about aisle five or six uh, back on the, on the aisle on that row. Um, what an awesome time to be alive and to serve Jesus, isn't it? What an awesome, awesome time. And so this morning I want to welcome you to my tent. I was joking with Ron this morning that this is going to be a really intense message. And uh, anyway, that's <laughs> not too many people got that joke the first time through. But this is my tent. This is what I travel with on my cycling tours when I, when I camp along the way. Uh, this is my place of shelter. This shelters me from wind, shelters me from rain, uh, hopefully shelters me from mosquitoes. But you probably can, de- can guess by looking at this thing, it's kind of flimsy. And uh, in a time of real storm, I would need something a little more secure than this tent. And so I want you to think this morning about shelter in a time of storm. We're being told to shelter at home, to shelter in a safe place at home. And I want you to think about the importance of having a safe place, a shelter, in a time of storm. You know, this COVID-19 thing is a little scary, uh, probably a lot scary for many people. Uh, have you been to the grocery store lately? Uh, I went to get a cold medicine the other day for my allergy, and those shelves are bare. And I guess if you want toilet paper, you can go on eBay and buy it for several hundred dollars a roll. I don't know. I'm not looking. But people are panicked. People are stressed. People are anxious. And I want you to know this morning that we have a place of shelter. My wife and I were sitting together just a couple days ago on the couch reading Scripture and praying. And I reminded her and reminded myself of these words from Psalm 91. This is the first, by the way, of several scriptures I want to share with you this morning. And I want to encourage you just to find a pencil and a piece of paper. And hopefully I'm going slow enough you can jot down references. Because I want you to use these references in the days and hours and weeks that lie before us. To remind yourself of God's truth. Because if you're reading the newspaper, if you're listening to the news, it's all scary. And I want you to know God's in control. God has a plan. God has a purpose. This is a great time to be alive and to serve Jesus. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Is there a better place? (laughs) He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Can you say that this morning? My God in whom I trust. It is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, the edges of his wings. And under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. But God's in control. He has a plan. Rick asked me a couple of weeks ago to uh, speak on this particular date. And uh, when we first had our conversation, I was scheduled to preach at a church in uh, Corona for a friend of mine who was planning to be on vacation. And he had just called me the day before and said, you know, we're headed to Disney World and they just closed everything down. Our vacation's canceled. I don't need you to come and preach. 
And so Rick asked me to fill in this morning. And so in the providence of God, I've been thinking about this morning and thinking about the whole COVID-19 coronavirus. And the passage that God brought to my mind that's a source of comfort and hope and help is the passage that Pastor Rick referred to a few minutes ago. In John chapter 14, Jesus has just told his disciples three scary things. And that's why that passage in 14.1, chapter 14, verse 1 begins, Let not your heart be troubled. You can translate those words very accurately. Stop letting your heart be troubled. These men were troubled. Jesus had just told them three scary things. He told them first, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all wondering, who's it going to be? Is it me? Is it Who is it? He's then told them, I'm leaving you. I'm taking off. And where I'm going, you can't come. And then he tells them, not only is one of you going to betray me, but Peter says, I'll go with you wherever you go, Lord, even to death. And what does Jesus say to Peter? You're going to deny me three times. And so these men are at a scary point. Their hearts are troubled. That word means to be agitated, to be disturbed, to be stirred up, to be frightened. And Jesus says to them those powerful, powerful words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Or as I suggest, stop letting your hearts be troubled. And he gives to them three ideas that I want you to wrap your heart and your mind and your soul around this morning. Because these three ideas talk to us about shelter. Our God is a wonderful place of shelter. And we need to take advantage of it. And so Jesus speaks first uh, here in John 14. He speaks first in these very simple words. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And I see those as not statements, believe, you believe in God. I see that as a command to them. His first command is negative. Don't be troubled. His second command is positive. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Shelter is found when we have a right trust in our lives. That's what the word believe means. Not just simply intellectually to understand something, but to put your trust and your faith in something. And I want you to understand this morning, it matters what you trust. It matters what you put your faith in. The world you and I live in, the culture today in the midst of this storm, this crisis, this COVID-19, is causing people to think they can trust the government to take care of them. They can trust wearing masks and gloves and using hand sanitizer and washing their hands. And all of those things are valuable and all those things are important. But don't put your trust there. Put your trust in something that matters. Put your trust in the Lord. Have you ever had someone in your life that you've put trust in that's let you down? I have. Family, yes. Friends, for sure. People are going to disappoint you and let you down. Governments definitely disappoint you and let you down. Grocery stores, shelves are bare. Where's your trust this morning? Jesus said, put your trust. Trust in God. Trust in me. I remember years ago when I was probably in junior high, not yet in high school, young teenager. One of my friends in the neighborhood was several years older than me in his 20s. My friend Jerry drove a black Volkswagen. Zelda was her name. 
And I remember hearing the story one afternoon that Jerry and Zelda had been involved in a pretty serious car accident out in the major intersection near my home where I grew up in Long Beach. And I went down to Jerry's house expecting to talk to his parents and find out how Jerry was. And Jerry opened the door. And he told me the story about he and Zelda going through the intersection and got hit by a large car, what I call a lead sled. Got broadsided. And Jerry reached out to grab a hold of the steering wheel. And the next thing he knew, he was on the seat of his pants in the middle of the intersection, holding on to that flimsy little tin horn ring that those Volkswagens had in that day. And I think of how often people go through life that way, looking for something solid to grab onto, and they wind up hanging on to those flimsy tin horn rings. It matters where you put your trust. It matters where your faith is. And so this morning, I want to point you to putting your faith in Jesus. Psalm 146 says this, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man. We can't do that. Trust in the Lord. Put your faith, your trust in Him. He's going to get us through this. He's going to see us through this. And there are so many scriptures that remind me of God's care and God's presence and how to put my trust and my faith in Him. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul says so simply, be anxious for nothing, and everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love the way the Living Bible simplifies it just so simply. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. That's kind of the bottom line. And it's interesting that verses 6 and 7 are followed by verse 8. Who knew? And in verse 8, the Apostle Paul says this, it matters where our head is. It matters what we're thinking about. Because he says in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Guard your heart and your mind from dwelling on the news, the newspaper, the television, all those news sources. Let your mind dwell on God's truth. What's true? What's pure? What's right? Uh, here's another passage. Some of you are familiar with these words, the 23rd Psalm. How does, that, how does that passage begin? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love the story of the little girl that memorized that verse for her Sunday school class. And she stood up as Riley did this morning. And she stood up in front of her class very proudly and she said, The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. Yes, and that, that's the bottom line. That's all we need. He's my shepherd. He's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you too. And later in that Psalm 23, it says in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, death is that close that it casts a shadow. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do what? Fear no evil. Why is there the absence of fear in the midst of that shadow? Why? I keep reading. Because what? You are with me. And that's the great promise that goes through Scripture over and over and over again. God's promise to be there, to be present, to care. I think Pastor Rick referred to that phrase this morning, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's always there. I remember well 2003, March, we went to war with Iraq. And our military crossed over the border from Kuwait 
into Iraq, headed to Baghdad. The tip of the spear was our recon marines as they crossed the border. Behind those recon marines was a shock and trauma platoon where my son was assigned. Unlike the old TV series MASH where they were evacuating people with helicopters several miles away, our medical personnel were right in the middle of the storm. And so I knew that my son David had crossed into Iraq. Seven weeks went by before we heard from David. Seven long weeks. Probably the longest seven weeks in, in my wife's and my life's. And I remember four or five weeks into that seven weeks, I think it was my sister-in-law, Debbie, that posted a picture on Facebook. One of our Marines in his combat fatigues, his weapon, his helmet, the whole deal. And on the front of his helmet was a piece of white tape. And on that piece of white tape, it said, Psalm 23, verse 4. And it was in that moment that God brought me back to truth. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though my son David is walking through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And what God impressed upon me in the truth of that scripture, where my heart wanted to fear, was that my son is just as safe in combat in Iraq as he was if he'd been in his bedroom at our home in Laverne. <laughs> because God's in charge. He's in control. There's nothing to fear. By the way, I've been practicing, quoting, and memorizing the 23rd Psalm. And we're being told to wash our hands with soap and water for 20 seconds. In less than 30 seconds, you can quote the 23rd Psalm to yourself while you're washing your hands. Be reminded, it's not washing our hands in hand sanitizer. Our confidence is in the Lord who is our shelter. There are so many scriptures. Joshua 1.9 that uh, Rivey shared with us. Be strong and courageous. I remember when Jesus was walking on the water with the disciples. He said these words to them. Do you remember the story? Jesus is walking on the water in the storm. And the disciples are freaked out. Here comes Jesus. And Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. It is I. What else is necessary? The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. And so it matters. If you want shelter, we have shelter because we trust in him. What are you trusting this morning in the storm? Are you trusting a flimsy, a flimsy shelter? Or do you have a solid shelter in our God? The second thing I notice in Jesus' words is not only if you want to have shelter, it matters what you trust. He also talks to us about perspective. We have shelter in our God because we have eternal perspective. We can see beyond now. And that's why Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to leave you. But he said, in my father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms. I've always kind of liked the word mansions. But if you think about the logic, in my father's house, you can't have mansions inside a house. What do you have inside a house? You have rooms. And so our Father has a house and he has a room. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go prepare a room for you so that where I am, there you can be also. And what encouragement to his disciples because he's just told them, I'm leaving you and you can't come with me. And now he tells them, I'm preparing a place so that where I am, there you can be also. And so you see, we need eternal perspective. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere beyond the blue. That needs to be our perspective in the midst of this time. 
People are going to get sick. People are going to die. We need eternal perspective. This, this world is not our home. We need eternal perspective. And so Jesus talks about heaven. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word heaven, always the first passage that jumps into my little brain is Revelation chapter 21, where the Apostle John describes heaven. He said there's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more suffering. There's no more death. Uh, there's no more COVID-19. Um, heaven, heaven is a wonderful place. We sang a chorus back in the 60s, I think, when I was in high school. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. We need eternal perspective. That's what I need. That's what you need in our lives today. I remember 10 years ago, my mother was getting ready to go on what turned out to be about a 7,000-mile road trip. She was leaving her home in Long Beach, headed to Michigan first to visit her friend Joyce that she'd worked with for a number of years. And then she was heading from there to Ohio to visit my cousin and my aunt uh, there in, in Ohio. From there, she was planning to, to head to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to visit uh, her daughter-in-law. And I remember people telling me, how can you let your mother do this? And my standard response was, the woman's 80 years old. How do I tell her what she can and can't do, right? But if you had talked to my mother, as some people did, and tried to warn her not to take this trip, they would say to my mother, how can you do this? You're going to be all by yourself. My mother's standard answer was, I won't be by myself. And when people questioned that, she said, what? Jesus is with me. The Lord's going with me. I'm not by myself. And then people would say, but think of all the things that could happen. That's a danger, by the way, in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of this crazy, confusing time, to keep envisioning what's the worst thing that could happen. Our governor's doing that, telling us half the population's going to get sick. Well, maybe. But when people would say to my mother, you know, all these things, she would say to them, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could die and go to be with Jesus. Hey, if that's the worst thing that happens, then our eternal perspective is paying off for us. So we need to keep eternal perspective in the midst of this, this crazy, crazy time. And then my third thought out of the words of Jesus is this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Stop being troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you that you can be where I am. And, of course, Thomas jumps in and says, oh, time out, Lord. We don't have a clue where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said those powerful words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so I believe shelter comes not only in having our right trust, trusting the right stuff, not only having our right perspective, an eternal perspective, it also comes because we have a right confidence that we are in step with Jesus who is the way, the truth. And the life. You know, it's important to know how to get to heaven. Jesus says he's preparing a room for us. But it's important to know how to get there. It's important to know how to get to heaven. I had to laugh this week. I posted this little statement on Facebook. I like to post funny stuff. And uh, I posted this. It finally happened. That moment when you are worried for the elderly. And you realize you are the elderly. 
Well, I turned 70 last Monday, so I'm officially in that uh, geezer group and uh, at risk. But Norm Schrock, former missionary and pastor in our fellowship of churches, responded to that. And uh, he said very wisely, as someone with eternal life, you are very young. And so we need to have a confidence about heaven. We need to have a confidence in our Lord who has, who has saved us. And so my question this morning as I think about this confidence is, are you confident about your relationship with Jesus? John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is found in knowing Jesus. Eternal life is knowing God. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you confident this morning that you've placed your faith and your trust and your confidence in Jesus? His shed shed blood on the cross. His payment for sin. So often when I talk to people and I ask them that question, I get responses like, I hope so. I think so. I wish it were true. Well, I'll find out someday when I die. And the Apostle John tells us we can know for absolutely certain today, now. 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13. The Apostle John writes these amazing words. In fact, these are probably one of the first verses I ever memorized back when I was a young teenager. This is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things are written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know for sure? Is that your confidence today? In the midst of this crazy crisis, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of all this stuff that is so scary and so frightening, As you pick up your newspaper and you read about people getting sick, you read about the numbers of people that are dying, do you personally have a confidence that if you were to die, that you'd be in heaven with Jesus? Because that is a shelter in the time of storm, to have that confidence. Because you see, the message of the Bible is so clear. You can't be good enough to earn your way to heaven. There's not enough good stuff you can do to go to heaven. Going to heaven doesn't depend on being baptized, raising your hand or going forward in a service or saying some magical prayer. You see, here's the good news. Well, the bad news is we can't earn our way to heaven. The bad news is we don't deserve heaven. In fact, if God were totally just, apart from the cross of Jesus, we'd all be bound for hell. But the good news is this. 2,000 years ago, God the Father, in His infinite wisdom and grace and providence, sent His one and only Son in the person of Jesus Christ to this planet. And Jesus lived the perfect, sinless life that you and I could never live. The best of our abilities, we could never live that kind of a life. But Jesus did. And again, in the providence and plan of God, Jesus went to that Roman cross, that painful, horrible, awful, wicked death, 
where he shed his blood and died in your place and in my place. Paying the sacrifice for our sins. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, forever, forever defeating sin and death. Now, what God asks of you and me is that we repent of our sin, that we turn our back, we turn toward him, and we embrace Jesus and accept his death on the cross and his payment for sin as my payment for my sin. It's true. Jesus died for the sins of mankind. But more importantly, he died for the sins of Roy Halberg. And he died for your sins. And so God's instruction to us is to, put our, to repent from our sin, turn to God and put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Is that your confidence today? Do you know for sure? Because if you're going to find shelter in this crazy storm, it matters what you trust. There's shelter found in your faith. It matters what your perspective is. If you're so focused on this life and this planet and this stuff, you're going to be scared and frightened and terrified. It matters what your perspective is. And it matters where your confidence is in terms of heaven, life, and death, forgiveness of sin. Those things matter. And so what should intelligent, responsible, obedient Christians be doing during this time? Well, the first, my first response to that question ought to be pretty obvious. Trust God. He's in control. He is the sovereign, eternal, self-sufficient, promise-keeping God. He's in control. There's not a circumstance outside the bounds of his knowledge. There's not an event going on on our planet that's outside of his control. Not a single one. I love the words of Habakkuk. Next time Rick asks me to preach, I'm going to ask for three Sundays because I want to talk to you about this message because it's captured in these words. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. Though the fig trees should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olives should fail and fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on high places. And I could read Habakkuk in today's culture that even though... People are sick and dying, even though people are not able to go to work and their income is reduced, even though my retirement funds are in the toilet, no matter what, I will exalt. I will praise God. He's in control. Trust God. The second thing we ought to be doing is don't be fearful. I think you've heard me say that over and over again. Uh, God is with us. By the way, that COVID-19 thing, you know, the coronavirus, you could take that word COVID-19, COVID-19, and rethink it of Christ overcoming viruses and infectious diseases. And then 1-9 becomes Joshua 1-9. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Don't be fearful. Put your trust and confidence in God. We could talk about that so much more. Maggie stole one of my passages a little bit ago when she read from Romans chapter 8. 8 verse 28 says so simply, God causes all things to work together for good. God, all things don't just kind of work together for good on their own. 
All things don't just sort of kind of happen to work out that way. God causes all things to work together for good, to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And Paul says God's purpose in the context there is that you and I would be conformed to the image of his son. So what God wants to accomplish in everything in life, your life and mine, whether it's a time of storm like this or, or good times, what God wants to accomplish is to make us a little bit more like Jesus. That's what he's up to. And you have to love the way that passage ends, as Maggie shared it with us earlier. Uh, in Romans chapter... ...on the list is the word death. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. The third thing, in addition to trusting God and not being afraid, um, be wise, be prudent. Proverbs 22.3 says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself. The simple go on and suffer for it. And so we're given prudent cautions in the world in which we live, Part of that is this stay-at-home, shelter-at-home thing. Um, we're being told to wash our hands with soap and water for 20 seconds. Use hand sanitizer, at least 60% alcohol. Keep your social distance of six feet. Those are wise and prudent things to do. I'm personally not totally terrified that I've been a little closer than six feet to some of my brothers and sisters that are here this morning. We've done the elbow thing and kind of laughed. But be prudent. Be wise. Uh, another thought that I think is important, and it guided us to make the decision to do our service this way this morning, is we choose to submit to the governing authorities over us. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul told us we're to obey those in authority over us. And until they command us to do something, to not do something God tells us to do or to do something God tells us not to do, uh, we're going to respond to the, to the wisdom, the guidance of those in authority over us. That's a good thing. It's a biblical thing. That's why we all drive the speed limit, right? For revival. What a great time to be alive. People need to hear the good news of Jesus. They need to hear about trusting God and taking shelter in Him. And think of the, the context of Second uh, Chronicles 7. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, man the locust to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. If all that stuff is going on, crisis time, storm time, dangerous time, scary time, what's our response? <laughs> if my people, who are called by my name, will forsake their sin, turn from their wicked ways, and pray. And so God is calling you and me to pray. So, if you're sheltering at home, what's the best use of your time? Binge watch on Netflix? Um, get caught up on old videos on YouTube? I've been, re I've been watching some old cycling races on YouTube. But is that the best use of my time? Wouldn't a better use of my time be to spend time in the Scriptures reading? Wouldn't a better use of my time be to pray? Pray for wisdom for us and for Pastor Rick and the elders as they lead our church. Pray for those that you know that are sick. 
Pray for families that are struggling at this time financially. Pray. Take, time, take extra time to pray. And then, what can we do beyond prayer to spark revival in the country we live in? Are there people that need to hear the good news about Jesus? Our neighbors, our friends that we've been socially distanced from for years. Because we don't know our neighbors. We don't invite people into our homes for hospitality and meals. And we probably shouldn't right now. I get that. But what can we do to help each other? If you have a copy of the church directory, open that puppy up. Pray for people in our church family. And you'll find phone numbers and email addresses. What if... What if each one of us just made a couple of phone calls to someone else in the church every day? We're sheltered at home. We're bored to tears. What can we do? You know, call one of our fellow church members up. Say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Can I pray for you? Pray for each other over the phone. Uh, we're socially distanced. We're not. But let's connect and let's encourage. Let's pray together. Let's share together. Don't sit at home binge-watching on Netflix. Pray and touch people around you. I think that's what God wants us to be doing. Praying and working for revival. So my question for you this morning is this. Where is your point of struggle in this crisis? What is it that the evil one is causing to well up fear within you? Is it Lack of resources, food, medicine, toilet paper. Is it the lack of resources? God says he would provide. He's our provider, not Walmart, not Costco. God's our provider. That's his promise. I'll provide for you. Trust him. Is your fear for health and fear of death even? God's in charge of that too. Trust him. Maybe it's a fear for others, family and friends. You know, I know uh, my children are concerned because Andrea and I are in the vulnerable elder people thing group. You know, we're concerned for each other, and that's okay. But don't let it cause fear. Let those fears, those anxieties, those concerns cause you to pray. We're concerned about economics. People aren't going to work. They're not going to get paid. You know, uh, in my life, I've gone around to a number of mortuaries, made myself available to provide services for them. That's been kind of my stream of income. And now the mortuaries are telling me, you know, we can do a service with five people, or maybe we'll do a service like we're doing it here. Um, but I've told all those mortuaries, you know, I'm not, I'm not hiding out at home. I'm not scared. Um, if you need help in any way, call me. I'm here to help. We need to help each other. We need to serve each other. Trust God. Identify where your point of fear is and give it to Jesus. Place it in his hands. Cast all your, what? Care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so whatever it is, it's causing that point of struggle. And ask yourself this question. This is always a good question to ask in tough times. What is God trying to teach me through this? What does he want me to learn? What is it he wants me to understand? What is it he wants me to embrace? What is it that I've always kind of intellectually grabbed a hold of, but I've never really embraced it here? What is it God wants to teach you in this time? Ask him that question. I think he's capable of, of letting you know.
What will you do this week to find shelter? Read scripture, memorize scripture. I've given you a bunch, there's a whole bunch more, and uh, I'll share those uh, with Tim so that we can send those by email or text and give you a list that you can just revisit and and pray over and, and meditate on. Ask yourself, who can I share my faith with, my trust with? People that are struggling to trust. Who is it in my network that I can share the truth of God's word with? Psalm 27, verses 1 to 3 says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. The war rise up against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning. There's shelter to be had. Shelter at home, but more importantly, shelter in the Lord. Put your trust, your faith, your confidence in Him. Keep that eternal perspective. This isn't all there is. This world's not my home. And be sure of your confidence in the shed blood of Jesus, his payment for sin, that you have placed your faith and your trust fully in him for forgiveness of sin, for eternal life. Take shelter in the truth this morning. Take shelter in the truth of God's word. Lord, we honor you this morning. We worship you this morning because you are in control. Things are scary. Things are weird. Things are just different. And if this were a college course, we would have all decided to opt out. We're going to take another class. But Lord, in your great wisdom and your grace and your kindness and in your love, you're taking us through this, this course, this class. And you have something for each one of us to learn. Might we embrace afresh the truth of your word that you are in control. You are the sovereign God. Everything that comes into my life comes through your hands. Everything that comes into our lives is Father-filtered. And so, Lord, we embrace that truth this morning and even choose, as the Apostle Paul told us, to give thanks in everything. We're not thankful for the COVID-19, but we're thankful in the midst of it that you've called us to serve and love and to care. And so, Lord, increase our faith to trust you. Might we not be like those disciples in the boat in the storm? Might we hear the words of Jesus afresh this morning? Don't be afraid. It is I. He's right there with you where you're sheltered at home. Seek your shelter, your trust in him. Lord, help us to do that is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.